it's interesting. More is said about extracurriculars than health and education. <laughs> that you is know? interesting. Well, Let's and make they sure the f- these kids can dance, but <laughs> as far as whether or not they're gonna get their health taken care of, eh, just well, be harmonious, darn it. They named all four areas that yes. typically the evidence is this is what they fight about, but then. Uh, and and I just have to throw this in. We don't have to dive into it, but God, the number of abstract terms in this paragraph. <laughs> oh no, let's crazy. dive. Let's dive. <laughs> oh my gosh. Harmonious <laughs> yes. policy calculated Cal- to promote yes. the children's best interest. Oh. Give me that calculator. I want that calculator. Oh, no <laughs> kidding. Oh, no. It's like putting the kids in a firing line and giving the parents loaded guns. Hey, this is Diane Dirks. And I'm Rick Voiles. We've been working with co-parents in conflict for more than two decades. We've taught classes, written books, counseled parents, empathized, and agonized a few times to help people make sense of their complicated families. We were talking one day, and it occurred to us that helping the most difficult cases comes down to one simple concept. Is one parent willing to let go of the tug-of-war rope, or is it worth it to hold on and fight? So we invite you to take this journey with us each episode as we tackle the questions, should you hold on or let it go? Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas, where we give you practical solutions to those impossible co-parents. Hello, Diane. Good morning. Welcome back. Co-Parent Dilemmas. Here we are. It is February. Yes. Every divorced parent's favorite month because it includes Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. How did we ever get to a Valentine's Day? That just seems. Do you and Janet um, celebrate Valentine's Day? No, not, yeah. not, no, no. Yeah. Like once a week. We yeah. try every to, day is Valentine's yeah, of Day. Of course, yes. <laughs> yeah, she comes in, yeah. opens the garage door, walks in. I have flowers there waiting for. Wow. Her. All the no, time. I don't. I don't. I probably should, but I don't. You should. Yeah, should. Flowers are a nice surprise every once in a while. That's not on a holiday. You're. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's you the know. thought of, hey, you were thinking about me, and had went out and got flowers. That's because cool. when I get flowers and candy on Valentine's Day. I, feel like it's just done out of some weird duty. <laughs> right. <laughs> Instead yep. of, you know, I was thinking about you. Anyway, this week, we're going to do another parenting plan disaster. Oh, boy. Yes. And this is a big one. And coming off a couple of weeks ago when we did, remember we did the one about special considerations? Yes. And how they're not always special. <laughs> And I don't want to confuse our listeners because in that one, we were promoting less detail or maybe not less detail. We were promoting the right detail. Yeah. Yeah. No abstractions. Don't use abstractions in your details. Because they, in the paragraph we looked at then for that episode, there was an abstract phrase. And then it went on to explain the meaning of the abstract phrase but then it added more abstraction, yes, which made it circular. <laughs> very circular, very frustrating. Yes. And that was where the problem was lying. This one, which is from Ryan, is one in which not enough detail um, existed on a very important topic. Right. 
topic is major decision-making for children. Now, I know in Georgia, in, in many states probably, uh, one parent is supposed to be designated the tiebreaker mm-hmm. or the major decision maker in in four different areas, right? In health, education, extracurricular, and religion. And the statute specifically says major yes. issues, right? Yeah. And again, we're talking about Georgia, but you know, look up your statute in your state or country wherever you are, but. The reason that's important is to prevent conflicts around areas that are vitally important to children. Yes. So that you're not fighting about what school the child's going to go to. And now they fight so much that each parent is signing their child up for a different school and the child has no idea where he's going to go to school. And sometimes he's been registered at two different schools because mom and dad can't come to a decision. Or any, you know, which doctor to go to and the child's being taken to two different doctors because Mm -hmm. parents can't decide. The court knows that's not healthy for kids to have parents such odds about health, education, activities that would put a child in the middle and create that kind of distress for him or her. Well, and at the very least, we've over the years determined these are frequent conflict fuelers that people fight about them. So let's figure out a way to deal with it. And the reason people separate or get a divorce oftentimes has to do with the values they have around these major decisions. Mm -hmm. So the courts also know that asking two people to negotiate well (laughs) or come up with decisions that they couldn't do well in the marriage is unrealistic. I wish they they knew that. I wish it seems like (laughs) they The, the legislators who put together this statute. Okay. Yeah. They figured that, that out. Right. And said in parenting plans, someone, even in joint custody, which when you have a joint custody arrangement, especially mm-hmm. if you're doing equal custody, you still have to have one person designated in each of those areas. Now, you and I have done a lot of negotiation and mediation. And oftentimes I don't like it, but it becomes a, a negotiation sort of bargaining chip. Well, if you get medical, I get education. If yes. You get religion, I get activity. You know. Yeah. So, how do you really decide who is best equipped? Yeah. To make the final decision in any of those areas, but oftentimes it's a negotiated point. But and and, and you know what? I would go so far as to say it doesn't matter who is better equipped to do it. Yeah. It's the fact that somebody is going to do it that stops the conflict because even if eventually if you don't designate somebody it's going to be the judge and is the judge better equipped to to determine education for your child i would say no but the point is we're stopped arguing yeah you don't want to set people up that they have to come back to court every time you would think a decision right (laughs) yeah so, yeah, and you know, it's a little bit easier when you have a situation where someone has primary custody in the bulk of the time, then if it's not mentioned in the court order, it is assumed or implied that that person makes all Ooh. of the final decision making. I don't like anything being no. assumed or implied, but no. typically that's often how it works. But more and more we have couples who are having equal like 50-50 or Mm -hmm. very close to equal 50-50 custody. And so that becomes more problematic um, 
you know, and as you and I have negotiated things, you know, extracurricular activities should happen where the child is primarily living right in that same area. Or yeah, let's say you have 50, 50 custody. Hopefully you're both living in the same school district where activities would occur around the school area so that your children can be in activities with their schoolmates, yes. with their neighborhood friends, you know? So those are the, the issues that come up around those kinds of decisions. Um, so we're a huge proponent of something being very explicit in the parenting plan that says you should talk about it. You yes. should give the other parent all the information ahead of time so that they can give their input as you should always get the other parent's input, but it should never be left hanging in the air for the child to decide. <laughs> no, no, there should be some definitive dispute resolution process right. defined. Yes. And I'm not even sure I like orders that say if the parents can't um, agree, they have to go to mediation or arbitration. Mm -hmm. Cause that again, you're asking them to have to seek out professional help to make a simple decision, which oftentimes is fairly simple. Your four-year-old, does he play soccer or <laughs> t-ball? Right. Oh, we can't, we're going to go pay a mediator a thousand dollars to decide. Right. It doesn't make sense. Right. So yeah. um, anyway, so we got this email from Ryan and I think this is an important topic. This is about therapy. Mm -hmm. Now, some of the conflict we have here in our state around these four areas is defining what constitutes right. a medical issue, Yes, what constitutes an extracurricular activity, right? What constitutes yeah. a major religious decision. Mm -hmm. And I'm told that the statute sort of leaves that loosey-goosey to give the judge latitude in his or her decision-making, but it also creates a lot of conflict when a parent says, well, I bought aspirin at the store and gave it to my child. You need to reimburse me for that. And we're like, <laughs> vitamins. That a, I've had that, that with a, vitamins. Yes. Was that a major <laughs> yes. medical decision? So we often have to define, you know, when your child is with you and has a headache, you don't necessarily have to call the other parent and inform them. The child has a headache and I gave them an aspirin. That would be ridiculous. But yet yes. people fight about that. You know, my child was ill on Saturday and she didn't tell me, well, if it was something easy to handle, I should handle it. Mm -hmm. it's, if it doesn't include an ambulance or hospital, I'm thinking it's not that big of a deal. Yep. Or it doesn't in interfere with your parenting time. But a lot of people would disagree with me about that. If my child doesn't go to school one day, I have to know right away. Why didn't you inform me within 30 minutes that my child missed school today? Well, maybe they had a, you know, some small thing, You're right. <laughs> a, a sniffle, and you just didn't want to infect the other kids, so you kept them home. Yes. So there's a lot of rabbit holes that you can go into, but I think at the very, very least, it is um, professional malpractice, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say this, for an attorney or a judge to accept a parenting plan that does not say one parent has final say in these areas or, you know, divide up the different areas and name the parent who has final say, because you are absolutely setting people up for more conflict. There's already enough conflict when you do give people final say. 
Yes. I'm with you on that. I would call it almost criminal <laughs> that okay. there's because there because the conflict hurts the children. And so they are actually putting the children in the line of fire by not taking uh, steps right. to, to solve this. So this conflict is near and dear to my heart because it's about therapy. Of course. Now, there yeah. may be some argument about whether therapy or mental health or behavioral health falls under the major decision of medical. However, most insurance companies mm -hmm. have some provision for covering behavioral health. Or mental mental health. health care, yes. So for the most part, I think most people agree it is under the medical umbrella. But I've heard the comp I've heard the conflict or the argument that mental health is not a medical issue. So it doesn't fall under any of those categories. And so I'm not going to agree or whatever. Right. So I'm going to make an assumption before I read this email that we're going to say therapy is a medical issue. It can sure. be, you know, whoever has final say on medical should also be able to decide about the child being in therapy. So here's what Ryan says. Uh, he, this is a portion of his email. He gave me a lot more background, but he said, I have been pushing for a therapist in my city because it is closer to his school, the child's school. The therapist will have a better understanding of the local and social landscape. I don't plan to move out of the area and I don't want my kids to be on the road in a car any more than necessary to get therapy in the ex's city. So I'm assuming the ex, his ex-wife lives in a city fairly far away because that would be a long car ride for the child. We have some excellent candidates in my city and immediate openings. I even found a good fit at the practice recommended by our pediatrician. My ex refuses to discuss the options I presented and continues to push for the therapist she likes. And she scheduled an appointment with her on my parenting time a few weeks from now. I told her that at this time, I do not consent to our child seeing this therapist and that I am disheartened that she has not responded to any of the options I provided or the reasoning behind having a therapist in my city. So when I first got this from Ryan, I replied to him and said, so what is your parenting plan state? And he sent me another paragraph and said that his attorney advised that they keep it general as too much detail would cause conflict. Ah. He says they have joint custody, shared parenting time 50-50, which is interesting since they live in different cities. So I don't know how that works. I guess mm. one parent drives them anyway. I don't know. And nowhere in the order does it give any further guidance about major decisions. So this is the paragraph he sent me from his parenting plan. And he said, this is all they got. It is ordered and adjudged that the parties shall confer with each other on all important matters pertaining to the minor children's health, education, and upbringing with a view towards arriving at a harmonious policy calculated to promote the minor children's best interests. The parties shall consult with each other and keep each other informed as to the activities necessary to the furtherance of any specific talents expressed by the minor children in any form, including but not limited to music, dance, or athletics, whether a formal school activity or an extracurricular activity. Period. Period. I mean, it's interesting more is said about extracurriculars than health and education. <laughs> That you is know. interesting. Well, Let's and they make sure these kids can dance, but <laughs> as far as whether or not they're gonna get their health taken care of, eh, 
Just well, be harmonious, darn it. They named all four areas that yes. typically the evidence is this is what they fight about. But then in, and I just have to throw this in, we don't have to dive into it, but God, the number of abstract terms in this paragraph. <laughs> oh no, crazy. let's dive. Let's dive. <laughs> oh my gosh. Harmonious <laughs> yes. policy calculated Cal- to promote yes. the children's best interest. Oh. Give me that calculator. I want that calculator. Oh, no kidding. Uh, no, oh. this is not. It's like putting the kids in a firing line and giving the parents loaded guns. And I specifically have a reaction to this regarding therapy. Um, you know, for many years, because I did therapy with children and I was involved with a lot of court cases, I would get parents calling me saying, hey, I want to bring my child in to see you. And, you know, I always say, ask about the parent's marital status. You know, are you divorced? Are you married? What's going on? Oh, yeah, we're in the middle of a court case, which always is a red flag to me. Why are they calling me in the middle of a court case wanting their child to get in to see me? And then I would say, well, what's going on? And they would say things like, you know, their dad's saying bad things about them or their mom is doing this or that. And And I'm worried, it's always under the guise of, I'm worried how my child is reacting to their relationship with the other parent. Hmm. And I would always kind of do some probing before I would agree to see that child because kind of my line in the sand is unless they told me their child was suicidal, Mm -hmm. I would almost always say, let's wait. Yeah. Let's wait until your court case is over. Why do you think I would say that, Rick? There's nothing that you are going to do to make any long-term difference as long as the conflict of the court case is going on, is what I would say. Well, and also, this would depend on the age of the child, but any school age and up child is usually smart enough to know there's a court case going on. Yeah. Or a parent has pretty much told them, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a court case going on. And when the kids know that, they automatically see any professional as part of that. What do you, I don't care how much I tell a child, you can tell me anything and I won't tell anybody. They don't believe me when there's a court case going on. Yeah. And oftentimes one of the questions I'll ask a parent about this is, does the other parent know that you're calling me? Mm. Oh, no, 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 no. Or they'll say, oh, yeah, they know. Oh, okay. So would you mind if I if you give me their contact information so I can have a similar call with them? Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> or if they say no, I say, well, it's important that the child knows that both parents are on board with seeing somebody like me. Mm-hmm. Because can you imagine what happens to the child when mom takes them to the therapist and the dad, your mom, other parent gets wind of it? Yeah. And if they're not very savvy, they may say to the child, you don't need therapy. Why is your mom taking you? Why is your dad taking you to that person? You know, be careful about what you tell them. Yes. And it has a chilling effect on the therapeutic process. It costs money. Mm-hmm. It sends the wrong message to the child about what therapy is, and it ultimately is a bad idea. Yes. So before you just get your child involved in therapy, make sure that it's something that both parents agree to. 
make sure that it's something that you think needs to be done right away. And because if it can wait till a court case is finished, the child is more likely to be honest Mm -hmm. because they're going to monitor and manage everything they say to a therapist because kids have point blank told me this. I'm afraid if I tell you some things, it'll have an effect on my mom's ability to keep custody of me. Right. Or I'm I'm afraid that if I say something bad about mom, then dad will get custody and I really don't want to go live with it or something. Mm-hmm. Kids are really smart and honest. <laughs> and it's just important that they be able to see therapy as an honest, safe place to talk, not one more thing that I have to manipulate. Right. So that's my pet peeve. First of all, before we talk about this paragraph. So here's what's likely to happen in this particular situation with no guidance from the court order. Hey, listeners, we've got some exciting news. Starting March 6th, I'll be hosting Hump Day Help every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time via Zoom. Each Wednesday will be focused on a specific topic. The first Wednesdays of the month will focus on parental alienation. The second Wednesdays will focus on parents dealing with false allegations. The third Wednesdays will be about surviving a narcissistic co-parent. And fourth Wednesdays, confronting post-separation control and abuse. You can come to one or all. The only requirement is that you become a Patreon non-impossible VIP. The cost is only $10 a month, but I guarantee you'll get your money's worth out of these support groups. We'll run them through the end of May, and if attendance is constant, we'll continue through the summer. So get started today with Patreon. The link is in the show notes. It sounds like they both want their child in therapy, right? Yeah. Why do you think both parents, though, are insisting on the therapist they want? (laughs) they want validation of their point of view from a professional. It's it's a little insulting to me. (laughs) All the years and money I spent getting my therapy license, Uh the state actually says you are an approved therapist. Then for a client to say, well, but you might side with the other parent. Right. That's an insult because if I'm truly who I say I am as a therapist, and I would say 90%, maybe more of therapists are truly interested in the therapeutic process with the child and not give a flip about testifying for you. Right. Nor should they if they're seeing a child because that should be sacred. Yet parents believe that somehow their, the, uh, their ex, the other parent is so incredibly charming. <laughs> But all she has to do is bat her eyes at that guy or that girl, and they're just going to melt uh-huh. and not care about the child. Yeah. It's not true most of the time. Now, are there bad therapists out there? Yes. Are there bad attorneys? Are there bad pediatricians? Are there bad anything? Yes. Yes. There are bad cops. There are bad every, they're every profession has their bad eggs. And yes, you have to watch out for them. So I highly recommend before you suggest anybody that you suss them out. And if you even get an inkling that they would side with you, fire them. They're not worthy of your money. Right. Because they shouldn't be giving you that feeling. (laughs) Yes. Seriously. If you get the feeling that, oh yeah, I want this therapist because they seem to like me a lot. Uh Uh-huh then they're probably not a very good therapist. (laughs) No. (laughs) 
if they seem neutral and very businesslike and they seem warm towards your child or warm about children, then they're probably a good therapist. So you've got to, at some point, have to trust that. So I want to say to Ryan, I understand the road trip. You know, I don't want my kids to be on the road in a car any more than necessary to get therapy in the exit city. I'm assuming that means there will be therapy sessions on your time. And I don't know what kind of 50-50 schedule they have, but on your time, you would have to drive them to the other city. Yeah. Let's say that other city is a half hour away. I can't imagine if it's more than that, you would have 50-50 custody. Right. Okay. Then that's the day you have them do their homework in the car or they're eating their dinner in the car and you make that time in the car enjoyable. Make it a time that's enjoyable for you as a family, not something you begrudge. Right? Yes. But in order to go that extra mile, the therapy should be something very important, not only to you, but also to the child. Yeah. If this therapy is about you and the other parent getting someone to agree with you, that way trumps the car ride. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Therein lies the problem. Uh-huh. But if this child is truly in distress... And I don't know what's going on with this child. Maybe the child has some issues that, you know, some learning disability, ADHD, anxiety, some sort of issues that really need to be addressed by a therapist. Embrace that. Yes. Your child, no, we will go to the ends of the earth to get you in to see somebody. If it has to be that other therapist, so be it. Mm -hmm. So be it. So I, there's two things here. I know we're talking about therapy, but what happens when one person isn't given final say? Mm -hmm. it really even more becomes about what the parents want right, and not what is right for the child. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which is contradictory of what is a calculated uh, (laughs) harmonious effort to promote the minor child's best interest. Yes. It is just, it goes against the grain completely. So let's just say that Ryan had the final say then I would be saying to Ryan, make your choice, but make sure that you vet this therapist and make sure more than anything, this therapist has worked with children of divorce before and how many times and is he or she experienced and understand co-parent conflict so she can help the child or he can help the child. That's more important than the social landscape of the city. Definitely. Right. And make your choice and then keep the other parent informed. If Ryan's, uh, X has final say, then she would hopefully make a similar choice. And hopefully you get a therapist who engages both parents because that therapist has worked with divorced people before. So then I would, and I may even say this to, to Ryan right now, you know, go, I would say, go to court and get this fixed. If nothing else, go to mediation and get this fixed because right. this is not the last time this is going to come up. Oh, no. If you invite your other parent into mediation and say, hey, let, let's not fight about this anymore. These four areas are so important. We really need to figure out how we're going to make decisions. Let's clean that up in our parenting plan. And if you can't get that done in mediation, I would file something with the court, but I'm going to go out on a limerick and even say, I'm not even sure you need an attorney. Right. If you and I go before a judge and say, hey, we've been fighting about health, education, and extracurriculars ever since this parenting plan was written. Yes. We can't seem to do this harmonious thing. Uh -uh. Can we please change this paragraph? I can't imagine a judge saying no. 
That's a good paragraph. You keep that paragraph. <laughs> you With guys it? just need to figure it out. Get yeah, along. Stop fighting. Yeah. I mean, chances are, and, and I'm not saying that they wouldn't both do the wrong thing and bring every other possible issue into the courtroom, right? <laughs> but if you really want to clear up this issue, mm-hmm. take it to court. Say, Judge, I, the parenting plan was not properly written. We just yes. need this paragraph cleaned up. And you might be afraid to do that because she's going to bring up the 14 times you missed your parenting time or the whatever, you know, or the abusive thing you did by not feeding them broccoli on enough days of the week or whatever. They're going to bring all those issues into the courtroom, but you've got to make this the focus that uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get this done now. Consult your attorney because we're not attorneys. <laughs> well, and I don't want to give. Uh, legal, legal advice, advice yes. not being an attorney, but come on, let's just Practice. let's look at this realistically, yes. right? Well, and but speaking it, of attorneys, I I hear this often enough that you know details cause more conflict, and I just want evidence of that. Somebody show me that that. How did you come to that conclusion? I could see that too much information in a parenting plan going over too many things might have more things to fight about. Right. But detail is causing well, more conflict. I, I don't see it. Um, the wrong detail or, no, that, okay. Or unexplained detail. Yes. You can have, look at this. This is very detailed with lots of <laughs> yes. abstract words. Right. <laughs> that really don't mean much. Oh, right. No. Yes. So the the worry is if we put too much detail, they'll fight in about it. The truth is they're going to fight about it, whether there's detail or not. Correct. You're going to see them in the court if there's not enough detail. And then yes. you're going to wish you put more in. And maybe you have a better chance if you put enough detail in, it'll lessen the numbers of times they get before the court. At least one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> and as long as it's explicit and it doesn't include the language that we talked about in previous episode that yep. just takes you in a circle starts yes. out with the right intention. And then it comes right back around with the wrong intention is where people get in trouble with that. Now, this is a skill. And uh, unfortunately it seems that there are maybe good attorneys out there in the courtroom that just mm-hmm. don't have this skill. So that's my advice to Ryan is to get this in front of a mediator or a judge and you know, modify this paragraph so that it makes more sense. So you don't have to keep addressing this over and over. But in the meantime, I say, Ryan, write to her and say, okay, we'll do it your way. Um, Who is it that you're going to engage? I just would like to call them and interview them just like we would interview a pediatrician or anybody else Yep. and make sure that they have my contact information in case anything happens. And uh, and yeah, let's try it. Yep. There's no harm in that. Especially the if the child needs it and you agree right. the child needs something right, right. away. And yeah. the assumption that you're making that might be erroneous is that a therapist might hurt my child. Mm. Chances are the fight will hurt your child, not the therapist. Indeed. Absolutely. But there's an assumption if my child doesn't get the right therapist, somehow it's going to harm my child. So hmm. let's fight about it. Right. That won't harm my oh, child. <laughs> gosh. Yes. Let's put, let's put that in perspective. Right? Yes. Yes. And so my advice for Ryan is stop the fight. 
get your child in therapy if you both agree, but make sure that therapy is about the child and not about what you and the other parent believe is happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let the therapist flesh that out. Right. Therapists may find out that the kid is in distress because both of you are at fault in keeping things tense. That would not surprise me at all. No, and that's good information. And maybe the therapist can instruct the two of you on how to Mm kind of make this easier for your child. Yes. So anything else about that, Rick, that you can think of that listeners need to know? So I hope you hear us loud and clear. Please don't leave this kind of paragraph open-ended. Please. Yeah. We don't care if you talk about what color socks you're going to put on your child to go to the first day of kindergarten. We don't care. That shouldn't be in your parenting plan. (laughs) We don't care that the parenting plan says mom should always get to take the birthday cupcakes to school when it's the child's birthday. We don't care that we care about this. Yes, we do. This is an important topic that needs to be put right I think, Rick, what I'm going to do in our document section of the website is put uh, maybe a sample paragraph mm-hmm. because I would like to put a paragraph that makes sense, plus some of the detail. Some of the detail I like around these four major areas is before this parent who has major decision making makes a decision, he or she will provide the other parent with all of the links and names of people to talk to and all that, at least two weeks prior to the decision, that kind of thing. Because I think a lot of people's parenting plans miss that. Yes. And it just says, have a good faith conversation, which is too abstract. Yes. (laughs) So um, I will put that in the show notes, a link to our documents page. Well, I hope that helps Ryan. Um, and please, uh, please, attorneys, <laughs> don't put children in harm's way with paragraphs like this. Yes, please, please. Okay. All Thanks, right. Ryan. And we'll see y'all next week. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, before the COVID lockdown, I never thought that I would do online therapy with my clients, but I actually found it to be very satisfying for both of us. BetterHelp is customized online therapy just like that, that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Co-Parent Dilemma listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash dilemma. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dilemma, D-I-L-E-M-M-A. The information contained in this podcast is generic. It must not be misconstrued as constituting legal or psychological advice. Decisions relevant to any specific individual, family system, or case require the direct evaluation of skilled, child-centered professionals.